Hey, everybody, I love you guys. I thank God for you, and I'm proud of you. Here's what I respect about you. God called you to join us in worship this weekend, and here you are in answer to the call of God on your life. And if you're with us for the first time, man, we are delighted to have you join us. And the same is true of you. God put a call on your life this week to join us in worship. And here you are. I respect that. You answered the call of God. And here's the great good news. Every call of God on our lives carries a promise of God for our lives, even answering the call to be present with us. As, as you hear the good news of Jesus proclaimed, that's God promising to increase your faith. Look at the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. That's what you're doing. You're hearing the good news of Christ. Faith comes by hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. Now, some of you right now, over the course of the next 20, 25 minutes, God is calling you to experience Jesus fully in his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism. That's what God is calling you to. And here's the promise carried when you answer the call. Turn to God and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Here's the promise. So your sins are forgiven and you get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise is targeted to you and to your children. And then some of you, you you know it in your gut. God is calling you to greater generosity. And when you answer his call to increase your generosity, you have the promise of Jesus himself. Luke 6.38, give. And you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Every call of God we answer carries a promise of God for us personally. You see, God calls, we move, and God promises unbelievable blessing. Now, we've been learning and experiencing uh, this spiritual principle by looking at the life of a man named Abram. Now, he later he'll be known in the Bible as Abraham. But here's the call of God on Abram's life and the promise of God for Abram's life. If you move, I will cause you to be the father of a great nation. This rocked Abram's world. This meant the desire of his heart would be fulfilled against all odds. I mean, it would take a miracle. Because Abram had no children. Um, Something was wrecked in his wife's womb. It was beyond repair. His wife's name was Abram. Abram's wife was Sarai. Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. That's it. The, the, the odds are stacked against him. It's, it's a painful impossibility. But God makes a promise. And Abram is like, yeah, I'm going with God. I'm going to claim this promise. I'm going to answer the call of God. And I'm going to live in the promise of God. So here's what happens. So Abram moved as the Lord had instructed. Exactly what God said. Abram did because Abram wanted to live in the promise 
of God. And I'm thinking like, way to go, Abram. Dude, good things are going to happen to you. But that's, that wasn't true. Good things did not immediately happen to Abram. Uh, in fact, there were these two painful, opposing poles that created great tension, pressure, and stress in his life. In fact, to Abram, now God had two strikes against him. I mean, Abram did, as God had commanded. He had moved, but he had moved right into a, a famine, a fierce famine, severe scarcity. I mean, where's the food? Where am I going to find water? God, where are you? And secondly, second strike against God in Abram's book is, is that his wife, Sarai, is still not pregnant. God had promised, but God had not delivered. And the, 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 the cruel circumstances of Abram's life were, were, were crushing him. Let me show you something. When cruel circumstances conspire against you, do you stick with God's plan? Or do you just make up your own? Well, Abram began to sin by deviating from God's plan for his life. He had moved. He had answered the call of God. But when things didn't go the way he had anticipated, it was like phooey. He came up with his own scheme. He decided to pack up everyone and everything and haul it all down to Egypt. And there in Egypt, he just piled one sin on top of another. He lies. He, he gets his wife, Sarai, to join him in a lie. Hey, let's tell everyone that you're not my wife. You're my sister. That'll be better for me. No one will hurt me. No one will kill me. If we just tell everyone, you're my sister. But the lie backfires. And Sarai finds herself taken in marriage by another man finds herself in another man's marriage bed. And it just so happens that the other man is the king of Egypt. And I don't know if Abram begins to cry out to God to somehow remedy this mess that Abram himself has caused. But all, what I do know is scripture says that God sent plagues on the house of the king of Egypt. And he gets it. The king of Egypt is like, hey, I don't need to feel this twice. And he sends Sarai packing back to her true husband. And he confronts Abram saying, hey, I should kill you, dude. I don't want to ever see your face again. Get out of Egypt and don't ever come back. Um, Abram has this awareness that he had put himself and his wife in the worst possible situation by his sin. And so... He moves again. This time he moves back to God, back to God's plan. Abram moved, and he kept moving until he came to Bethel, to the house of God, to the place his tent had been earlier before he bailed on God, took off for Egypt. And there, in an act of worship, Abram called, the Hebrew word is kara, and it means a cry for help. He called, he cried for help on the name of the Lord. Abram 
I mean, maybe this is the wisest thing he's ever done in addition to moving in answer to the call of God. He, he cries out to God to help him overcome the negative impact of his sin. You, you see, when we sin, our best move is to cry out to God for his help. And this is a prayer when you cry out to God for his help after you've sinned, after you've come to your senses. I mean, you say, what was I thinking? What have I done? And you cry out to God for help. This is an irresistible prayer that God has drawn to. Look what happens for Abram. After this, in response to the prayer, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Now God tells Abram, do not be afraid. And do you know, this is the very first time in the Bible that God tells someone not to be afraid? Dozens, maybe hundreds of times past this point, that phrase appears again and again and again and again in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Evidently, Abram was in a panic over something. Why was he afraid? Now, my sense is that he's afraid of the consequences of his sin. He's afraid that by his sin, he's wrecked everything, that he's lost the promise of God. You see, now he's 85 years old, still doesn't have a son. Sarai is still not pregnant. And I think Abram is blaming himself. What was I thinking? What have I done? I deviated from God's plan. And now I'm never going to get it. Now I've lost the promise of God. So God says, no, don't be afraid. (laughs) I stand on my promise, not based on your goodness, Abram, based on my goodness. Uh, Look at this truth from Isaiah 54. Though the mountains be shaken, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. There is no sin so gross, no sin so evil, no sin done so long that shakes God's unfailing love for you or for me or for Abram. Do not be afraid. This is so huge um, because we get this Go through this pattern of self-defeating thought that because I sinned or I've sinned so long, I'm not worthy of all God's promises. I I don't deserve for God to bless me. I, I couldn't get a miracle if I wanted to because of the sin in my past. That is a lie. The truth is though the mountains be shaken. God's unfailing love for you will not be shaken. So let's take a look at this again. Do not be afraid. David, that's my name. You put your name. Let's say this aloud together. Are you ready? Let's say this aloud together. Do not be afraid, David. I am your shield and your very great reward. So God is promising. I'm going to keep my word to you. You, There's nothing you've done. (laughs) There's no good you could possibly do that would change my word to you. I'm going to be your protection, no matter what. I'm your shield. 
Now, the word for great reward in the Hebrew actually means a salary, earnings. So God is saying, uh, don't be afraid what you've done, how long you've done it, how bad it was, doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to be your great income. I'm going to continue to be your very great provision. I'll keep protecting you. I'll keep providing for you. And, and something just goes off in Abram, and um, he just opens his heart to God in that moment. He just, he just puts it out there. Look, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, I mean, what good are all your blessings, your protection, your provision? What good is all that? You've been good to me, but, but when, when I do not have a son, I mean, have you ever been there? You're grateful to God. God's been good to you. And yet there is this one desire of your heart and it's not happening and it kills you. You just, you're like, God, you know, I go to church and I read your word and I pray and try to help other people. And I'm so grateful for how good you've been to me. But God, I've been crying out to you, crying out to you. And I've been trusting you. And your word promises this. And it's not happening. So Abram just puts it out there. God, I, you know, it's nice to hear about all these blessings, but I don't have a son. My wife is not pregnant. And God immediately, immediately responds to Abram. The Lord said, you will have a son of your own. And the next thing that happens, God makes that promise. It's not over. The story is not done. I'm still at work to your good. You may not see what I'm doing. You don't, may not know how I'm going to get it done. It may seem like a painful impossibility, but I will deliver. And then God does something that just takes my breath away. This is like a father-son moment between God and Abram. Here's what happens. The Lord, it's like he slipped his arms around Abram's shoulders. The, the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. I love it when God gets sarcastic. Count the stars if you can. That's how many children, descendants you will have. The Lord took Abram. We, 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 we got to get out of this enclosed space. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to look up into the limitless heavens. Look at all those stars and heavenly bodies. Count them if you can. It's absolutely impossible. But something happens on the inside. When we stop looking down at our situation and our circumstances, our problems and our pain, and start looking up, start getting a new up look. Because you see, it's our up look that determines our outlook, changes everything, everything that we see about life. In fact, let me say it this way. If you want to focus on your lack, your needs, your hurts, then your hurts just going to grow. But focus on your Lord and your hope will grow. You keep knowing that God will make everything beautiful in his time, that your God will work everything together for the good, that your God is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or can even imagine according to his power. That's at work within you. While Abram is looking up, oh my gosh, something goes off in his heart. 
Here's what happens. Abram believed the Lord. Now, that's a whole world different than believing in the Lord. He believed the Lord. God says it. I believe it. That settles it. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord was pleased with him. You see, when we open God's word and we read his promises and we believe it against all odds, however long it takes, I believe my God is at work. When we, the pleasure of God falls on our lives, when we take him at his word, the word believed in the text, um, when it says Abram believed the Lord is amen. It's where we get our word, amen. And it means to make permanent. So, hey, I'll challenge you. This is what I do. Read the promises of God in God's word. Claim the promises of God in God's word. As you pray the promises of God, say amen. And that makes the promise permanent, unshakable, unchanging, immutable. And God will deliver Every time, say amen. I believe. I believe you, Lord. I believe your promises. And, and so, <laughs> Abram, then he kind of reveals his humanity. I mean, then he's just, he's just not, not some spiritual superstar. He's just like me. Just like you. Look what he says next to God. Abram, as sovereign Lord, how can I be sure? I believe you, but, you know, how can I be sure? And God says, I'll make you sure. Look at this. God said, bring me a cow, a goat, and a ram, each three years old. Why three? You know that the number three is a big deal number in the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was in the grave for three days. Bring me these three animals that are three years old uh, and a dove and a young pigeon. Now, what's going on here? Why, Abram knows What's going on? And man, he gets a, a surge of adrenaline flowing through him, and he takes immediate action. Abram presented all these animals to the Lord and killed them, sacrificed them. He cut each animal in half and laid the halves opposite each other. He would cut an animal in half and pull the halves apart. One half over here, one half over here of each of the three animals. Now we're like, oh, dude, this is gross. What, what's going on here? I don't get it. Well, well, the reason we don't get it is that we don't and are not living in the culture of Abram's day. Um, Abram and God are cutting a covenant. Abraham knew exactly what God was asking him to do and why God was asking him to do it because this is how people in the day of Abram made unbreakable promises. Abram didn't even have a lawyer, which sounds crazy to us because we live in a contract crazy culture. If I buy a car... My word, giving my word to the car dealership is not good enough. It's not going to get it. I've got to sign all kinds of forms. If I buy a house, just a handshake is not going to get it with the banker. I've got to fill out all kinds of forms. 
We're going to have an agreement between you and I, a legal agreement, a contract. You get your lawyer, I'll get my lawyer. I'll sign on the dotted line. You sign on the dotted line that you'll keep your end. If you don't keep your end, I'll sue your rear end. That's a contract. That is not God. God does not do contracts. God does covenants. And the word covenant in the Hebrew means to cut in half. Abram and God cut an unbreakable promise, a covenant. And when Abram cut that animal in half and pulled the halves apart, and this animal had pulled the halves apart, and this animal pulled the halves apart, he created what was called the bloody path. It, it was the path of sacrifice. It was the path of promise. The bloody path, the path of promise, the path of sacrifice. Hold those words, those descriptions of what lay before him. And in the day of Abram, when the covenant was cut, the two parties, in this case, Abram and God, the two parties would walk that bloody path together. And they were making an unshakable, unbreakable vow to each other. If I break my word, if I don't keep my promise, let happen to me what's happened to these animals. And so Abram knows exactly what's going on. He's going to get an unbreakable promise from God. It's just that he had no idea in his wildest imaginings what was going to happen next. Check it out. As the sun was setting that day, Abram, God put him into a deep sleep. And everything became dark and frightening. He's afraid again. What is frightening Abram? Is he afraid now that because of his sin, he's going to die? But God speaks out of his grace and mercy, speaks right into the moment. The Lord said, Abram, you're going to live to an old age, guy. And you're going to die in peace. Don't be afraid. You see, God knows that Abram, just like me, just like you, he is going to go ahead and sin and sin and sin and sin. He is going to break his word to God. He is going to, he is going to go away from God again and again and again. Abram is not going to keep his promise in the covenant. So God is going to walk the bloody path for the two of them. God's going to keep his word for both of them. Here's how it happened. As it was dark, Abram, in this trance-like sleep he was in, saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. Smoke and fire is a symbol of the presence of God. God is going to move through the bloody path, the path of promise, the path of sacrifice. Animals have died and shed their blood that this promise would be made unbreakably. A fire pot smoking, a flaming torch suddenly appear and pass between the halves of the animals. And that's when God made the covenant with Abram. And he said, I'm going to give this land to your children. Now, the whole reason the story is in the Bible, this authentic historical account is recorded, is to point us to Jesus. He is the irremovable covenant of peace 
cut between God and us. When his body was torn in half on the cross, Jesus cut a covenant unbreakable of irremovable peace between us and God. You see, Jesus was the sacrifice. And when he carried his cross up Calvary's hill, he stepped in his own blood. That was his bloody path. It was a path of sacrifice. We couldn't keep our promise. We couldn't stop from sinning. So he walked for us. And he died for our sins. He was made to be our sin that we might be made right with God. And God raised him from the dead. And on the basis of that that great victory, now it's a path of promise. We can live. We can do our marriages, our families, our friendships. We can do our finances, our emotions in the incomparably great power by which Jesus was raised from the dead. So as you read Abram's story, see Jesus. As you are reminded of Abram's story, be reminded of Jesus who walked the path for you in your place as your substitute for your sin. And his promise is unbreakable, unshakable. In fact, there's no other way to God or to have peace with God or life in God or to claim the promises of God except through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so I'd like to pray with you right now about your relationship with Jesus if you'd bow with me. Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives to you. We know we've sinned. Did the worst thing possible in the worst way That's us. We are sinners fallen short of the glory of God. And yet you have shown us, oh Jesus, and yet you have shown us deep compassion, everlasting kindness, unfailing love, immeasurable mercy, superabounding grace. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We say thank you, Jesus for dying for our sins. We say thank you, Jesus, for walking the bloody path for us. We say thank you, Jesus, that on the basis of your victory over hell, death, and the grave, we are victorious, and we will live in your victory. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I thank God for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.